0: listening to the Down the Pub podcast, Canada's premier football show. Head to downthepub.ca to subscribe so you never miss an episode. this episode of the Down the Pub podcast. We are joined by a real football icon today. I I can't believe I'm going to be saying these words, but uh, this man has 359 appearances for Everton and is their most successful captain of all time. We are joined by Kevin Ratcliffe. Thanks for joining the show, man.
1: Uh, How are you doing? You okay?
0: Really good. Really good. I really appreciate you on this. Um, And we're also joined by Everton Nutt and founder of Everton, Nova Scotia, David Robinson. Welcome to the show, Dave. Thanks for having me on today. Oh, really appreciate you hopping on with us. So, um, first question I have for you, Kevin, is you're obviously a hugely successful as the Everton captain, and it, also, mm-hmm. it almost never happened as the late great Howard Kendall was apparently on the verge of being sacked because <laughs> he's had a really bad start to the 83-84 mm-hmm. season, I think it was. So, yep. so, so, what changed? Like, what, what, like uh, Was it Andy Gray coming in, or was it just Howard just went into the dressing room one day and yeah, said, no. get your shit together?
1: like everything else it's all all luck and um, most probably finding something uh, by chance um, you know that you wouldn't have thought of Um, I actually think it was a combination of a few things obviously uh, the win against Coventry in a a League Cup game on a Tuesday night when we've had one of the lowest crowds ever at Putterson Park Um, I think it was 9,002 people that turned up to watch us play wow wow Uh, Yeah, and that's that's pressure because you're used to playing in front of full houses there. You know, at at that time there weren't, you know, many full houses unless it was a derby, big games against Man United, Leeds. Um, They were your big games where you'd get, you know, your 40,000 plus in um, and 60,000 maybe against Liverpool. Um, So to have 9,000 there was very difficult to... um, to deal with you know there's a different type of pressure um, and we won that game 2-1 um, but it, it was turned around in the second half we introduced a sub and that sub was Peter Reid and we scored a last minute winner and the following morning he promoted Colin Harvey to reserve t- from reserve team coach to first team coach and then on the Thursday we signed Andy Gray so you could say you know four four things change obviously the win against um uh, Coventry, uh, and then three really three signings uh, in the introduction of Peter Reed into the first team, um, and then obviously Colin coming in as a, a coach and Andy signing. And and then I do believe then things actually changed the course uh, of Everton's history.
0: Yeah, he turned out okay, that Peter Reed fella. Uh.
1: <laughs> he turned out to be not too bad. To <laughs> yeah. be <fair>.
0: <laughs> So, um, you won the so the next season, then you kind of went on to bigger and better things. You won the uh, FA Cup final. Uh, was there a sense after that that the team was then destined to go on to the use to huge success that he's had? Was there like a sense after that victory that that was we're on the cusp of the they, they,
1: always, they always hate, they always say when you've tasted a bit of success, you want a little bit more. So, the next step, obviously, after winning the FA Cup at the end of that season. Um, we'd had the disappointment of losing the league cup against Liverpool but won the FA Cup and then you got you've got a taste for it and you wanted more and the next step was um, you know league and obviously if you could do as well as you could in Europe and uh, we did that we uh, you know we, we topped both and like i say we won the european cup winners cup and won the league in the following season and, and and narrowly missed out really on the the fa cup with losing to man united so you know we could have won the treble that following year but it wasn't to be
0: yeah it's, it's crazy that it's just like one little thing like i mean like uh, that that fa cup final uh, i think kevin uh, kevin moran was sent off in that final too wasn't he was that the one yeah, that, 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 that was a-
1: yeah, the second one year against uh, Man United. Obviously, we won the first one against Watford, but the second one against Man United, that was a, a big change in the game. Um, Kevin Moran being sent off, um, and that just changed the game a little bit. Frank Stapleton moved from centre forward to centre back and played really well there. Um, but we just won the European Cup Winners' Cup on the Wednesday, and then you know expected to play on the Saturday then in the FA Cup. Um, <laughs> You know, people will say that it would never happen now. Um, you know, back in the day, the the one thing you wanted was a um, game after game to come thick and fast. You know, you didn't want to rest if you if you being rested, you were being dropped.
2: Well, you had a um, squad of like fifteen, didn't you? Back back in those days, a yeah. small squad. I
1: think I think one year, I think there's 22 players um, got a got a medal. I think that was the 87 side. Um, because we had a lot of injuries. Um, and, yeah, sometimes when I see a team, I'm wondering what positions we all played in. I think mine was the only position that never changed. I don't think they could trust me in any other position. So. But, uh, yeah, it was, uh, It was. yeah. When you do, when I've seen some of the teams away at Birmingham and things like that, and I'm looking at the team and I'm thinking, where did he play that day? I think it was Alan Arthur. Um, Where did he play, you know? And then I'm looking at Gary Gary Stevens was right centre-back with me, I think. Uh, It was just really, you know, the way that we pulled together Um, um, and worked as, you know, a a squad Uh, was typical of what Howard had actually, uh, you know, installed in us really, you know, because it was a squad that got us our first league title as well because... You know, I think there was about eighteen that was used in that, maybe nineteen. Um, but I think you needed in them days something like twelve games or twelve be be part of the game in some part, um, even if you come on and sub uh, in twelve. I think twelve appearances you needed through the season. Okay, there was forty-two games then, but you needed to appear in the twelve games. So, uh, and when you think there was only one sub in them days, wow. um, and you couldn't make you know out of seven subs or whatever there is now. You know, you can. Um, you can make three subs, so it's it, more difficult. I always remember Howard at the end of the season. I think, the, I think it was the first one, was it? The first league we won. I think he made sure that as many people could get um, a medal as he, as he could by putting them on a sub or starting them in a game towards the end of the season, especially when we won the league. Um, and you know with, with a few games to go, that that's what he'd do
0: well legend uh, so that, that as, you, as you mentioned there you won the, the Cup Winners Cup um, like it was the, the big standout one was obviously the two-legged win against uh, Bayern Munich uh, what mm. was that game like at Goodison because obviously you went behind uh, you went behind and you just came back mm. what, what, was the, what was the atmosphere like and what was it like when you scored the equaliser and that kind of surge from the crowd
1: I, look I, the, most of the time I'm telling this this this, this story of, of um, you know the Bayern Munich game especially most Most of the people have never experienced an atmosphere as what we've experienced. So you've got to be 40-plus, I would imagine, to know what it was like. Um, Because I've certainly not seen an atmosphere at Goodison. Uh, It's been close on one or two occasions. Um, But that atmosphere that night was something that, it was an experience that you'll never forget as a player. I don't think you'll ever forget it as a supporter. Uh, all helps because you win the game. But it was just it was something that just lives with you for, a, for your life. Um, and everybody wants to know what it was like. Well, it was, um, it was just like the lads that were there watching it. It was electrifying. Um, and it's one of them that you go into a game knowing that you can't lose it. Um, mainly because you've got 50,000 there, supporters, willing you're on. Um, and I've always said it's going into Goodison. was like a gladiator going in to battle. Um in the Coliseum, um, it, it was very, yeah, it was, it was, you know, you knew, you knew we were going to come out winners, you, you know, it's just how you're going to win. And I think we had a knack of winning games then, and we, we could win it whichever way you wanted it. Unfortunately, they wanted to turn it into a fight, um, but you couldn't have chosen chosen 11 people that had just pulled together. Um, oh, it's that all for one, <laughs> one for all type of thing, <laughs> um, and and that's what we were like. We 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 were like that. If you want to fight us, you fight us. You, you're not going to win. You know we're, we're we're here to the to the last minute, um, and we're to go. We're going to go toe to toe with you. Uh, but if you want to play football, we want one. We play football. Um, but mixing the two, you know, in them days, that's how you had to win titles and cups.
0: It also helped was it was it Gary Stevens that had those bombs of throw-ins? I think he's got like two goals from that. Like a man did his arms win like man of the match. <laughs> well,
1: you know, that was a bit of a plan to be fair. That uh, you know, most weekends when we were playing games that you know, we, we used to hit in the near post area. But that's what Howard said at half time. You know, he said he just wanted the ball putting in the box to Andy and, and Sharpie. Um he knew that they them two, their aerial and you know, strength and, and that power would uh, definitely, and especially when them days, you know, the, if you look at most of the German sides, even even now that the two centre-backs are so strong, uh, the six foot plus, um, you know, and they're the, like the, the catalyst of the side that they, you know, that they build around. And, uh, you know, most... German national sides were built around and I think Argentine was a German international played that night. I'm sure that although I can't remember the other centre half's name at the moment, but he was as well. A uh, big bushy haired lad. Um but no they, they were they were strong. We knew we had to be on the top of our game to, to win it. And well, uh, we were. We, it was just just a fantastic game to be involved in. The, the pace of it was unbelievable, and the, the state of the pitch when you look at it.
0: <laughs> I'd like to go back today. And I,
1: yeah, and I think if you see some of the quality that was played in the game, you'd be quite, you know, sort of uh, astonished at times. Uh, but when you got the likes of you know Reedy Brace and Trevor Sheeds um, you know, all players that were technically good players. <laughs> Um, and then you, they've got Soren Lerby and Lothar Matthias, who were who two great international players one for Dan- Denmark, and the other one's got over 100 caps for, for Germany.
2: He turned out okay, didn't
1: he? <laughs> but, well, he, he turned out all right. I don't yeah. think the or two.
2: And Anthony, I don't know if you know that that Cup Winners' Cup campaign uh started off against Dublin. Yeah, UCD the first right? game, UCD, yeah, yeah. and it wasn't actually. A, it was a fairly tight game, I think. I think it was, yeah. I mean, it was, it was a runaway game. game.
1: It, was, it was a horrible game. We drew out there nil nil, and um, you know this is our first experience of sort of uh, in European football, um, and we all, also knew going towards the end of the game that at one nil we were winning, that we only they only needed to score one goal to draw it one one to go through. Um, so that brings an extra bit of nervousness uh, to playing a team that you should really beat ten times out of ten. Um, you know they, they are called the University of Dublin for a reason, I think. Um, <laughs> or, you know, most of them were in university, I think, and uh, yeah, they 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 proved to be our toughest opponents. And I think they hit the bar with the last five minutes of the game, if I can remember rightly.
0: Fortress Talca Park. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, was it Talker Park yeah, or did we play? The, yeah, yeah. Uh, they the, the, the wasn't it? I think
0: they played the playground. I, I, th- I thought they, uh, they they loaned out uh, Talker Park. I thought it was Talker Park. Sorry, um, but yeah, like I mean, like, like I just looking at the scores, like the results that he's had, through that um, through that. Uh, <laughs> Tournament, like I mean, you were winning like three 0 four 0 I think you won one five 0 maybe. Um, just that they plucky UCD were the ones that gave you like the the tricky, yeah, the tricky yeah. game. It's crazy.
1: Yeah, they were. You know, I mean, um, I think you know we'd scored more than one goal in every tie except for that one and the Bayern Munich away game. So it was um, yeah, it, it was it was nail biting at the end. You know, a bit of nervousness. <laughs> And I I was shouting to Reedy. Reedy was shouting to me, and you know, make sure we're tight. You know, (laughs) I think we were the only ones on the pitch, me and him, that actually knew that if they scored, they'd go through. (laughs) Um, And that would be egg on your face. I think that might have been quite disastrous for us in one way. Um, But I think once again, you know, we found a way of winning, and uh, yeah, we we come through it.
0: Yeah, I'm sure there's still a few lads in Dublin still getting free drinks off the back of that, to be honest. Uh, for <laughs> sure, yeah.
1: <laughs> <Well, laughs> there's a few, <laughs> never get <home> from it.
0: away there, Dave. So,
2: Kev, you've uh, you played, obviously, 370-plus well, games for Everton.
1: 492, <laughs> you know,
2: 490, if you want to be 4,
1: precise. 492, okay. I think that might be league appearances that you're looking at.
2: Yeah, Wikipedia only has league appearances for some reason. I, I didn't yeah. notice that, yeah. We, we, we yeah. were too lazy to,
0: we
1: were too lazy to like actually it. look at the fact. But if you, uh, if you look into uh, cup games, um, I, I'm sure that, you know, through the years, you know, 10 years of playing for Everton Football Club and, you know, four of them years we were played at Wembley and I think it takes you six, yeah. six games to get through, doesn't it? So, you know, we get into semifinals and things like that.
2: But how, uh, how, how, does it, how does it feel, though, being like a genuine club legend? I mean, like every time someone picks the greatest Everton team of all uh-huh. time, you're in it, you're the most successful captain ever. How does that feel yeah. to know that of all the players that have played, you're right up there and will be a club legend?
1: Uh, well, it's, it, it's one of them that you, uh, you... Look, I think I'm in the top six all time. Um, and I'm thinking, well, I'm still alive. so once I die, then I could get into the top three. Um, <laughs> it, it, you become a better player once you're dead. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, a bit, I'm a little bit worried, does people know what, something that I don't? Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's nice. Uh, you know, I mean, if you're part of a successful team, you've got a chance, but we've had some great players. You know, we've had some great centre backs, um, and some have them maybe won things. But you know, but, yeah, I think you get remembered because you win things, um, which is quite right in a, in a way. I think that you know, through your through your career, that I would have been disappointed now playing the game and not won a league title. Um, you know, after you know, it may, it, you realise after you've won it how really really important it is to a lot of other players who haven't won it, you know. Yeah. Um, so like I say, it's it's one of them that when you've won it and you realise after you've finished and you realise what you've achieved in the game, you know, that there's some people who've been far better players than me that have never won things, um, which, you know, you, you, you find it quite hard to believe. You know, there's a lot of players, um, you know, going back sort of 80s and 70s, uh, early nineties, maybe that have never played at Wembley. So, and now it seems to be just a a thing that you can get an opportunity, whatever level you play at, to get a chance to play at Wembley, which is a great thing. But I think it was more of an honour, uh, you know, back back way back, to actually go and play for Wembley, to to go and play at Wembley, to play in a final, yeah, um, or be an international player.
0: I always. No, uh, no. if you talk them, you don't. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, but that's like. But, but that's like. That, that was always like when I was a kid. Like, I I was a kid in the 80s, and that was always like. Wembley Stadium was always like the mecca. There was always a place that, you know, you wanted it to hit. And you're right. They've kind of diluted it an awful lot. Yeah. But obviously, to pay for the bloody thing, but it's definitely not as uh, revered as what it was no. back in the day.
1: No, it isn't. Well, as soon as you start playing semi finals, you're taking something away, aren't you? Yeah. Um, And I, I you know. It, the biggest disappointment I had as an, an Everton player was losing out to the semi-final um, against West Ham in 1980, I think it was, um, or 81, and we lost. And a, a part of that sadness is that you weren't going to go to Wembley. You know, not that not you were going to be playing in an FA Cup final, but actually going to be playing at Wembley. Um, and then, there's a massive disappointment you know to not go through a semi-final um, I think the semi-final in them days was actually more disappointing than losing um, because you got, you'd have the opportunity to play at Wembley
2: you didn't know then you'd go on to play at Wembley five or six more times at that point you, you don't know how things are well,
1: going I, to I, I was actually lucky because I played at Wembley when I was 15 um, I played for Wales against um England uh, the under fifteens against players like Wayne Wayne Clark and Andy Ritchie. Um, Clive um, oh god <laughs> what's his name Clive Allen Scrub- Clive Allen there you go yeah. yeah only a Spurs fan would know that.
0: <laughs> um. <laughs> I'm actually Spurs fan I'm gonna
1: load that one out of <laughs> you from Alan tonight. I'll have to buy a uh, pint
0: to keep your mouth shut.
1: <laughs> yeah yeah. <laughs> So Clive yeah Clive Allen who was a great player so um, yeah, I played there when I was 15. And I was lucky enough, um, you know, to play there 13 or 14 times in total. Um, I, I didn't think that was bad for not being an Englishman. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, it's, you know, it's, it's if you an Englishman, you get a lot more chances to play there if you're playing for England, don't you? Yeah,
0: so, sure, yeah. It's, it's kind of funny that, uh, you know, uh, as you talk about, like it's the Holy Grail to get there. But when you were a kid, all these kids got to play there. <laughs> <laughs> Probably, but nobody watching. So,
1: it's just a load of kids watching you. I, it was like, you know, I always tell what a, a schoolboy international was like with all these kids screaming, you know, and they all saying the same things. And uh, it, it was a bit—it was a strange atmosphere. I, oh. I always remember that. You know, I think there was seventy thousand in there, 70,000, and the atmosphere was really strange because you could sense that it was a young audience that was watching you
2: shrill yeah. <laughs> <A little> sh- <laughs> shrill shouting first yeah. hand broken yeah yeah
1: yeah no swearing
2: <laughs> no, yeah <laughs> teachers at the end yeah. yeah so what was it what was it like to play under Howard then how Kendall's obviously another legend what was it like to play under him
1: well Howard was one of these that um, you know I think he was in his late 30s when he sort of come in as, a, as the gaffer and uh, he, he more or less sort of I think it was a way that he trusted you um, and he expected that trust back um, and especially with the, the younger players like myself Sharpie Adrian Heath um, Sheeds and that um, Derek and Gary Stevens Trevor Stevens it he, he gives you it gives you a responsibility and I think that responsibility coming to you at that such a young age that you want to you know you want to return that Um And he had a great way of managing players. Um, But if he didn't like you, that was it. (laughs) You were out. You were out, mate. He didn't. He didn't sort of hang around. And I think he proved that with the likes of uh, Mickey Thomas, Alan Byley, um, Jim McDonough. Um, You know, they they were soon gone. As as soon as he didn't want you, that was it. He got you away and got you out.
2: So he had a ruthless streak about him as well I guess you would need that to be a top top manager though. I think so
1: I think so yeah, yeah definitely yeah yeah, but the the thing was he 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 wanted to install things into us um and obviously he didn't want sort of players around that were going to be disruptive or not I'm not saying that these lads were disruptive, but what happens is sometimes that if you i I always remember the saying that if you get one bad apple in a in a basket of fruit, it soon spreads. So he didn't like that bad apple to spread uh, mm-hmm. through the team. So um, it's just good management. You see We when to bring in players, when to get rid of players. Is that
0: is that story true about him telling Bobby Robson to fuck off over you?
1: Well, uh, so I think so. Um, he <laughs> told, <laughs> told me, um, you know, I think that was, I'm not too sure when that was, but obviously he was at Ipswich, whenever Bobby Robson was at Ipswich, Um, uh, apparently they'd come in for us. I didn't know anything about it until uh, I think I read about it. Um, (laughs) Wow. Yeah. (laughs) That that, that was the thing there. You didn't know too much about it because, you know, the the agents were, they were not really coming into the game um, until around about sort of late eighties. So, the, the really the only way that you knew about things is, the, you know, the manager or a coach or somebody else approaching you through the back door to to actually see if you wanted to go or not. It's probably, probably worked out for the
0: best on telling them to fuck off. You, you probably, Ipswich kind of went down a little bit and you kind of, your trajectory was that way, so. <laughs> <laughs> could
2: <Can, laughs> I yeah. have done that with Ipswich? It could <laughs> yeah, have, yeah, exactly. have been a deciding factor. <laughs> <laughs> Ipswich could be a powerhouse of Europe now if it wasn't. If, you know, that's gone yeah, right? yeah.
1: we could have have won everything
2: (laughs) oh yeah so what what was the um, I mean you just talked about the agents there but what was the culture like but on and off the pitch compared to uh, how football is nowadays
1: yeah Uh, and what do you mean mean? well obviously social media is a massive thing isn't it yeah Um, you can't do anything you can't go anywhere Um, yeah I I mean I mean I think I think late eighties was just the first introduction for car phones. <laughs> so there was no mobiles. Yeah. Uh, it was all car phones. Um, but then, then car phones yeah. were, were quite expensive as well. You know, they didn't um, sort of run up huge bills. I think they weren't cheap to use, um, you know, even for, for, for footballers. I mean, we went on great wages uh, towards what they are now. Um, you know, I always say that we were on uh, maybe a week what the normal person would take a month to earn. So um, when you're looking at it, in reality, the person these days are earning in a week what a lot of people would take five, six, seven years to earn. And yeah. it's just a little bit of, well, not a little bit of difference, is it? It's a lot of difference. Um, you know, and... Yeah. You know, when you when you had fifteen percent pay for your mortgage and sixty percent tax, then you know this <laughs> you try <start> working <laughs> that one out. Yeah.
2: Uh,
1: yeah. it was a uh, good old muggy Thatcher.
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll come back on to that later. <laughs>
0: so so like obviously with you winning the league twice in, in the eighties, uh Mm. obviously with Heysel and all that, so you didn't get to play in Europe. Do you ever feel like you, like a, I mean in the European Cup, sorry, uh, do you ever feel cheated that, that that team never got to play against the elites like Real Madrid, Barcelona is, and stuff like that?
1: Yeah, I think we missed out um, on a lot, really. Uh, and if you look at that period, and, uh, you know, after that, you know, when we got back into Europe, I think it was just sort of like 90s, wasn't it? Yeah. Was it? Yeah.
0: like 92 maybe does that sound a bit right yeah maybe yeah. five five years it's
1: five up. years wasn't it and uh, we seemed to, you know we, well I, I always think the two teams got punished not just the one. I think Liverpool got punished as well rightly so um, but we got punished uh, for something we never really had anything to do with and I think Everton football club suffered and I don't think the club su- uh, re- uh, recovered I don't Um we're looking at getting somewhere near the what we've all been waiting for and hoping for, um, but we, we we never recovered after that. Mm-hmm. You know, the players were leaving. We lost the lost the whole right-hand side. Players were coming to the end of their careers at Everton and moving on. And by the time the band's up, you know, I'm 31, 30. Sharpie's the same. Kev is a little bit older. Neville Southall, you know, was still, you know, shot stopping um, <laughs> making great saves as he usually does and uh, yeah it was just a, a demise of the team I felt after that after we got uh, got the ban so it, yeah you do feel a little bit hard done by and uh, yeah yeah. I mean uh,
0: you probably would have been able to hang on to like Gary Lineker which no, he scored 40 goals uh, no, I, don't, I don't know
1: I, I don't know if we would have held on to Gary Lineker at that time because business is business still as a football club and we we had good business we bought him for 800,000 I think we could have sold him for one, 1. 1.8 or 1.6 so you know to make double your money in a year on a player in them days was, was it seems nothing now but in them days that was that was good business um, and I you know looking at it I think Howard seemed to think we was changing a little bit of the style of football we were playing, uh, and believe it or not, we played more football when we had Gray and Sharp up front than we did with Lineker and Sharp. Um, and people would think, "Oh, did you?" Well, and like, yes, we did. You know, because we couldn't play long balls over the top for Sharp and uh, Andy Gray because they wouldn't get it. Um, you know, we had to build up and, and play up to them and play off them and you know join in. Whereas you know Gary Lineker, you know one ball over the top and Gary was onto it like lightning, and uh, you know so that's why he got forty odd goals. You know that uh, he was lightning, and you know was a great finisher.
0: Yeah, he's like a, like one of the best I've ever seen. Like I, I don't think uh, like. During that period, was anybody that was kind of came close to him to be perfectly honest, apart from Rushi, I suppose. But, um,
1: it yeah, was incredible. yeah, It was, um, similar sort all the players, I suppose. Goal scorers give him a chance, give him half a the chance, they'll score a goal. Um, I actually think Rushy was the best at the two, if I'm perfectly honest. Um, and I think his goal record is just unbelievable. Um, you know, for the amount of games he's played, the amount of goals he scored, and when you think that he only, out of them, I think 346 goals he scored, um I think only, only four of them were penalties. Wow. That's incredible, isn't it? Well, if you start looking at your Linekers and your Shaders of the world, I think Shader scored 365 goals in the Premiership. 55 of them were penalties. Mm. Frank Lampard yeah. scored quite a few goals. Penalties, didn't he? Wow. Wow. Um, yeah, it's it's astonishing when you look at it that way. Was that, was Rushy just shit at taking penalties, or was it somebody <laughs> else that took them? <laughs> well, I think he only took out of the four when he scored four times from the penalty spot. I think they only took it if he was on a hat trick.
2: We know that rare a thing. <laughs> well,
1: I <laughs> think Phil Neal. If you have a look at Phil Neal's record and the amount of or goals he scored, you know how many of them. I think he scored fourteen penalties one year. Holy yeah. mother. So he's Liverpool yeah. getting lots of penalties. All, all, all of the <laughs> right. um, great decisions by the referee.
0: <laughs> so, so, like just going back to Howard a little bit, um, it's really weird. Like he never seems to get mentioned in when the conversation with great managers. Obviously, like they talk about Alf Ramsey and Clough mm. and Ferguson and all that kind of stuff. Why do you think he doesn't get his due credit?
1: Um. Well, you know, you you, you talk about them. Managers, uh, Bill Nicholson's of the world, maybe um, uh, uh, get, gets mentioned. Uh, I, I think he's he, he's definitely up there. There's no doubt about it, and I think all Evertonians know that. Um, I think at some stage of his career, I should. I think he should have had a chance of uh, managing England. Uh, you know, that would have been the icing on the cake for him as well. I think uh, to manage England, but you know, when there were so many good managers around them days, you know, the the clubs of the world. Um Revy before Clough and and then you know you've got your shankleys, you've got your paisleys, you've got Fagans and, you know the, that, after them you know who who was there you know or, you know up until ferguson was it was a i would say Busby maybe for man United, but other than that um yeah not some not so great yeah for me for me he's definitely up there.
0: I definitely think so too because I mean, like, he was at a kind of less glamorous club than an awful lot of those people you're talking about. I think he
1: was admired within the industry and the, the industry of the manager's industry I'm on about as well. Uh, I think they had um, greater admiration for him and realised what he'd done, the type of football he was playing. But it wasn't just that, you know, it was his training methods. They were fantastic. You know, he was, he was ahead of the game in the way that he used to train us. Um, it wasn't all about run, run, run. It, it was all about running with the ball. Um, games with the ball, you know, it, it, all sorts. He was really, really sort of forward thinking and, um, yeah, uh, it, it was great to work with him. That, that's all, it was great to work with the fella.
2: And he did well at Bilbao as well. He When he went to, to Spain, I, I know in uh, Atletico Bilbao, they love him still. He may not have like won... Leagues with them, but he managed to broaden. He, he did fairly well, and I think
1: you've got to be Bass to actually play for the yeah. bill, then you're limited to what you can actually pick. Yeah, so it, yeah, he loved his time there. Um, and they, you know, they, they loved him as well. Mm-hmm. So it was, he uh, was a great, um, you know, it was, like I say, he was a good coach, he was a good coach, and I think that proved that. How could he go? Do you know, when you go into a team that's, I wouldn't say a, a top team, uh, but competing with the best, um, you know, Barcelona's and Real Madrid's and Sociedad's at the time, then um, you know, he, he was he was definitely well admired over there.
2: Well, I was going to ask as well. You mentioned earlier about uh, Thatcher, and and one of the things about that Everton team then is is now they are like. Half of them are uh, social media uh, legends for their politics and all that. Do you think, was it like that at the time? Or and how much of that was part of growing up in Liverpool in the 80s or being part of Liverpool and uh, the city in the 80s? Yeah,
1: I don't think that uh, many of us were into our politics then uh, or now. <laughs> There's not too much. <laughs> I know, I know they were making a right old uh, farce of everything that's going on at the moment, and uh, I'm not too pleased with anything, but. Ooh who would want to deal with this situation as a prime minister. And I'm not quite sure, but I think he's just showing what a buffoon he is. Yeah. Uh, but he's uh, uh, he's most probably the, the cleverest buffoon uh, uh, that, that actually got it. He was cleverer than the other buffoon that was put up uh, for a candidate in Corbyn. So, you know, you know we, we, <laughs> it didn't matter which one we get, but I think we got the... <laughs> The better of the buffoons, shall we say? <laughs> uh, well, no, we we didn't really we didn't really know about politics in them they, What what do you know about politics at twenty two, twenty four years of age? Yeah, uh, not a lot really. Um, but you know, we do blame fracture now for you know for for not standing by football. She wanted us out of Europe. There's no doubt about her that. Oh, it for
2: sure. Yeah. Too,
1: too many hooligans. There's too much problems going on, and obviously, then we had the miners' strike and. This, that, and the other. So it was all coming to a head, really, wasn't it? More pressure on her. Um, and, and she was glad that the ban, I think, it was one less headache for her. Um, yeah. But, you know, I just think it brought the city together. And, you know, and especially when you've got two teams, um, you know, that are doing well. And you've got a music industry that was doing really well. it um, be interesting to know how many uh, number ones, that, you know, in the pop industry. That uh, that come out of Liverpool in in that era. So because uh, it's a it's a great era for music.
2: Oh sure, yeah. Because it, well it well. funds creativity. You know, when you go through hard times, I think it really does fuel creativity. Mm. And Liverpool was a great example of that. I think. So yeah, yeah. we wouldn't
0: have had the Anfield rapper without would <laughs>
2: Would we not? <laughs>
1: Maybe it was worth it then. <laughs> yeah. I would, I would have needed paying a lot of money to do that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <A> legendary moment. <laughs> yeah. So Yeah, well we're, we're, and, and now obviously some of the songs from the eighties for Everton have gone back to number one. What did you make of all that? you know, the spirit of the yeah, games. I mean, it's, and, uh, it's,
1: I mean it's, uh, it was good. I mean, we're, we're on a high at the moment, aren't we? I mean, we're, yeah. we're taking everything that we can. Um, and, you know, hopefully we don't get too carried away. I still think we're away from being, you know, um, a top four side. Um, I, I, I said, if we can get in the top six, you it'll be a big, big bonus. But we've actually sort of maybe doing this better than what we anticipated. Um, and now we're in a position where we're thinking, can't wait to see a few more signs of Carlo Angelotti. Um, so, you know, January transfer window, that'll be interesting already because yeah. the quality that he's bringing in is is far better than what we've been bringing in over the last uh, few years. So, you know, when you think he spent somewhere in a region of £70 million, something like that, on three players, maybe a bit less.
2: Yeah, I think uh, it's about sixty. Yes, yeah. but So yeah. the quality of
1: the player... And we That's spent for forty five million on one player, uh, thirty four on another, and twenty eight on other players. And you know, when you think the quality that we've got from reasonable money, I would say mm-hmm. reasonable money. So I, I've been, I've been really, really sort of surprised that the three lads that have come in have made that much difference. And but they certainly have. They, I mean, it's been fantastic to see. Um, but it just shows you when you've got a. A top top manager inside and, and by, the f- by the way it's been a long time coming that we've you know been you know able to attract somebody like uh, Angelotti mm-hmm. um, because it just shows when you're spending that amount of money you've got to have a top class manager spending it you can't have him you know managers that have never spent that type of money before or, or you know, whoever's been spending it anyway, because it's just uh, you know these managers these days don't go and watch players. Um, you I mean, you look well, at well, yeah, Ancelotti's seen these players play. Uh, yeah, and they played under be,
2: before. Yeah, yeah. Well,
1: the only one I think he hasn't had maybe a hand. Uh, Decore is maybe no. I I think it'll be the other other lad, Godfrey. It's come from Norwich.
2: Oh yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Who yeah, did so, very well in the derby, by the way.
1: Well, he did. He did well in the second half. He didn't do well first half. He was. He was. He was lucky. He never got caught out a few times, um, because you can see that he wasn't used to that position because yeah. he was more of playing as a centre back, as a as three centre backs, and there was a big gap on that side. But I was just praying that first half will come to an end, and then you know Angelotti can have a little chat with him and and sort of get him to settle down and just bring him over. It's only only a positional play. You know that uh, was causing him himself a problem, but uh, look, we competed as better than I've ever seen us compete in a derby, mm-hmm. um, and I think the football that we played was was as good as I've seen in the in, in many a year. Um, uh, I, I think just the tempo of the game, the way that we're playing at the moment, is a lot sharper than what they, we've so we've seen glimpses of it in the past. I think we've seen glimpses of it last year when he was there. But I think he picked teams last year to highlight the problem. And we all knew then that the problem was midfield. And he's addressed that situation through the summer um, and the lockdown. And you can see the difference. You know, we still, other than these three players that have come in, the rest of the team have still been there. They're still there. It's so crazy. I mean, just amazing how three players can make that
0: oh, yeah. difference. You look at like what, like like obviously Ronald Koeman's at Barcelona now, but you look at what he spent and who he spent it on, like you're totally right in what you say. Like I mean, like that Ancelotti knew where to put the money. Um, I feel like... Yeah, but I,
1: I'll, I'll go back to uh, Ronald Koeman. I actually think Ronald Koeman, if he was in charge at the start of last year, I think we would have been in a better position uh, than when Marco Silva was there. Um, I think... You know, Ron Kerman had a rough start of the season with the. I think we played five out of the top six teams yeah. in the first six games. Um, so, you know, it was always going to be a tough start. And I don't think we really recovered. Um, but the big thing with Ron Kerman was it was never really about Everton. It was always about himself. Uh, and I think that was evident when they were losing that. Uh, you know, he, he wasn't looking in himself; he was looking at the, the team. You have got to look at yourself as well.
2: Mm-hmm. I think Ancelotti seems to—he's he's obviously very successful, but he seems quite humble as well, and he embeds himself I, in the look, city quite well.
1: I, I think what he, he's bought into the fans as well, hasn't he? Yeah, he loves the area. Apparently, I mean, he did a, a did—he do um, an interview with New York Times, and all he wanted to do was talk about Crosby.
2: Yeah. Well,
1: <laughs> I'm not being funny, but I can think of a lot more places to go to. (laughs) (laughs) Because he just Uh, walks around the city. uh, Well, he just, I think he walks around the city. I think he walks around, uh, you know, goes into coffee shops, but that's what Italians do. They go to coffee shops, you know, uh, and have an espresso or a double espresso or whatever, (laughs) and and just chat the day away. Yeah. Uh, It's nice to see that, you know, maybe he's looked at what Klopp's done, and thought, well, if Clock can do that, I can do that. Yeah, uh, you all learn off one another as managers, and uh, I've just been been pleased with him. That you know, since he's come in, he, he's bought into the club, he's bought into the fans, um, and I think uh, signing Rodriguez. When he signed Rodriguez, I've heard a little bit of a rumor that apparently he turned around to Rodriguez, miss, and he turned around. And he says, "Look, if you sign for us, you won't believe how big this club is." Wow. You know, you know, to for him to sort of think that you know how big of a club we are, and we are we we are a sleeping giant waiting to erupt, um, and hopefully we have got the right man to erupt it.
0: I definitely think so, and like the plans that they have, I mean, like lined up for the stadium and all that kind of stuff. It's it's an exciting time for both sides in Liverpool right now.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, look, if it goes ahead, which I'm hoping, fingers crossed. I mean, there's always an obstacle when it's Everton. Um, <laughs> and, uh, oh, there is. You know, yeah. if it's not if it's if it's not themselves shooting themselves in the foot, it's somebody else trying to shoot us in the foot. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we should have gone to King's Dock years and years ago, where the Echo Arena is, um, which would have been a fantastic.
0: Okay. Well, uh, but there
1: was all sorts of obstacles going up there. Um, And, you know, the the same now, you know, I think it's some sort of heritage thing that's trying to block us from building. Um, But the amount of jobs that it's going to create, and I think, obviously, it's a feature. And and once again, it's about the city expanding. And it's just outside the city centre. It's within walking distance. But it's the fact that, you know, I I actually think the best thing that's ever happened to Liverpool was Liverpool won. Albert got first, then Liverpool won, but... I think Liverpool one brought Albert Dock closer to Liverpool, yep. and now you can go from one to the other without seeing it as a bit of a chore. Um, and I think it's going to be the same going to the you know the new Goodison Park, whatever it's going to be called. I'm not quite sure uh, Bramall Dock, uh, and that's going to be the same that the city's going to expand out a little bit more, mm-hmm. you know, to connect with Bramall Dock. Um, uh, it, it's it's going to be fantastic, and I've seen the plans, I've seen everything put together, seen a. Uh, a DVD uh, thing of it, and it, it looks spectacular. It no, looks it spectacular. Yeah,
0: are we going to see a uh, Ratcliffe stand? <laughs> I'm not saying you're
1: going to die don't you (laughs) start (laughs) now I don't want to be around when that happens I'll be happy with a a chair named after me (laughs) it's going to be interesting what they do with that yeah yeah.
2: so what about when you went into management Kev you managed uh, I think it was Chester then you managed Shrewsbury is that I, I think that those the yeah, yeah, I
1: did it I did eight and a half years <laughs> as a manager
2: yeah.
1: uh, And coach And uh, I really enjoyed it um, I had five and a half years At Chester, I, I thoroughly enjoyed that I know we had complications towards the end um, But Other than that, it was a great little club to be involved in um, And I, I think we punched above our weight For a number of years um, But we enjoyed it uh, Shrewsbury was a di- different kettle of fish Um, you're going into a place and we did not too bad but it's just about changing I think Uh, managers not being um, how can I say um, in a strong position as they used to be Uh, it was just the tide was turning Um, everything was turning you know that um, when we used to get fined as a player Howard used to fine you like 50 quid 100 quid whatever it was but it had to be cash that you give Howard and he'd keep that to either take us out or if we were away on a tour we'd have extra pocket money um so you started you you, you started feeling it that if you were fined a hundred quid you know you paid your hundred quid but you, you'd feel a pinch if yeah. you know what I mean that you couldn't go out that weekend or you know something like that or you couldn't buy a sofa or or, or a washing machine or what it was. You'd, oh, we'll wait until the week after. I actually thought then, sort of uh, early 90s, that the credits changed. So when you find somebody, they could still go out and have that meal. They could still go out and buy that um, sort of washing machine or sofa, whatever it was. Um, and it didn't hurt them as much. Fine. and And, uh, and the other thing was, they would argue to the hilt that they were right and you were wrong. And you, damn right, they were they were wrong. you know. And then the, F, the PFA had come in. Uh, and being from a background of you know, how I've been on that other side, is that I always thought when you were a player, the one thing you wanted to do was get one over on the manager. <laughs> but if you got caught out, you don't look to it. Yeah, you hold your hand up and said, "Oh, the manager's caught me out now." You know, but, but these guys wouldn't. Yeah, you No, know, they don't. They, they'll argue till they're blue in the face. They'll get the PFA involved, and the PFA back too many uh, players. Sometimes they don't look at the whole issue, the club's issue as well. Um, yeah. So I was, I was losing a little bit of sort of heart in that. Um, and the youngsters coming through were looking at the older pros there and wondering why they got an extra day off. And I said, well, they've played 500 league games and you've only played 20. So you need to come back in the afternoons or on the day off to actually work on why you want to get to 500 games. But they couldn't understand that. It was, it was a shame, really. Because I had some good kids at Shrewsbury. Um, and some good kids coming through. Um, Joe Hart was coming through as a 15-year-old lad called Davey. Dave. Dave, um, I played for Wales. Oh, I worked with him the other week. <laughs> 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 but this
2: is going out in Canada, so hopefully, he won't say it.
1: Uh, <laughs> I'll,
2: uh, I'll end it up in hell,
1: but old Dave. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah well, Dave. He went to Luton and Wolves, and and, and that's so how he he had a good career out of the game. And then there was two <laughs> lads there that. Before I left, we turned down just under a million pound for them, which was really good money. we sold one cent and a half for 500 grand. So we went while I was there in the three years that I was uh, We went in one year, we went from 600 grand in debt to 700 grand in credit. Um, and that was the year we beat Everton in the cup.
2: Yeah, I was just going to ask about that. How, how, how did that feel I for you? I thought you
1: it? weren't going to get to it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: You've been tippy-toeing around of the last
2: one. I know, yeah. <laughs> that, mu- that must have felt strange for you. I mean, you're, you're a professional, so you wanted to win. but
1: Yeah, I mean, the, you know, the, <laughs> the weird one, really. I've always said this, you know, the, you know people say, what did you th- feel like at the end? Well, I said, well, that's, the only thing is that like, I thought, well, oh, we're never going to win it. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> we're never gonna win the cup, but you know, we've got a great chance against this side. And that's that was my team talk. The, the, so we played them in the preseason and we'd lost 2-0 um in a preseason game. Pitch was perfect. It was flat. Um and my two centre forwards, Luke Rogers and Nigel Jempson caused their two centre backs, I think it was David Weir and Alan Stubbs, all sorts of problems. <laughs> Um, And I'd added to the team as well. So I'd got uh, Ian Wooning, Mark Atkins was already there. I'd called um, Sam Aston who had a a load of pace. And uh, it it just on the day, I'd seen the team and I thought it was one of the weakest Everton sides I'd seen. Um, I don't think Dave was playing, you know, sort of... uh, he, he wasn't disrespecting us, put it that way. I think he put a strong side out. But I was more, Rooney's first cup game, I think, and I was more worried about Radinsky playing up front than Rooney, um, because I was worried about the pace behind us uh, rather than you know him dropping off. Because all of a sudden, that pitch that was lovely and flat in the summer was a uh, cow's field, mm-hmm. um, and that was my biggest downfall—the cow's field. I think the, the the cow's fields and everything was. You know, typical if you don't look after the pitch, and that's what it wasn't. It wasn't looked after properly. Um, I, I remember playing one game, uh, and I went in on the Monday, and the divots weren't put back after a, a muddy game on the Saturday. It wasn't put back, um, and on the Tuesday I went down, I went into the groundsman's and said, "When are you going to do this pitch?" Then and he said, ah, "He says we'll do it by the by Saturday." I said, "But it's Tuesday afternoon now." You know, surely it should be done after the, after the game yeah. I said because I know because I play golf and I said when you take a divot out if you don't replace that I said it dies within 24 hours um, and we just had a I thought a groundsman that didn't really care too much about the pitch really and it was uh, you know yeah I, I thought it was well it was detrimental to the way that I wanted to play football anyway yeah um, subsequently after that Everton game we never won a game in the, in the cup in the in the league, sorry, and got relegated. Ah, wow, <laughs> that's great.
0: Yeah. So, so there was obviously a rumor when you were at um, Chester City, I think it was, where you paid five grand out of your own pocket for a water bill. Is is that true?
1: Oh, well, that was a pre-season game against Tramier and uh, we were going through a bit of financial problems that chairman was never about when there was money being asked to build. <laughs> um, I did hear some of these... I think one of the general managers went into his house and he gave him £2,000. And he actually found it in the microwave. I said, what? Well, what did he do? Put £100 in and turned it into £2. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell is going on there? I've got to try uh, that now in a few minutes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, did he out and defrost or what? No, no, no. <laughs> I He was an absolute... Yeah. It, I mean, I got on all right with him, but financially. Um, and the game wasn't going to go ahead. So um, I said to Jill, the secretary, I said to her, I said, look, I said... Uh, I'm going to go to the bank, I'm going to get five grand so the game can go ahead. Because if, if you get the water turned off, then obviously you can't use the toilets. There's no um, sort of showers. So, the, you know, health and safety shut you down straight away. So I said, I'll go down, I'll get five grand. But I'm telling you now, Jill, as soon as the game's finished, I'll take five grand out. And I said, it's costing me 70, 70 quid to actually get this out the bank in one hit. Um, there was a you know a fee for doing it, so I said I want five thousand and seventy pounds. So straight after the game, I went straight in and took the money. You know, I, I wasn't going to pay for it. Uh, I, wasn't, I wasn't that rich. <laughs> um, you know, sixty percent tax and fifteen percent on the mortgage. What do you expect? You know. Um, cheers, Maggie Thatcher. Yeah. So it was. Um, it was. It was. Uh, it was tiring that type of thing. You know. Yeah, Because we went into administration. We got out of administration um, with the same manager and then went back into administration within a year again. And we'd, we'd made money as well, you know. And that was my disappointing thing about that whole es- escapade then. Um, and then, obviously, he sold the club and sold it to that American, which was phew, another nightmare. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh, I uh, the money men.
1: Yeah, <laughs> or so like, yeah. non-money men. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> but there's, there's a lot of spoofers in, in football, unfortunately. I,
1: I can't believe that it still goes on. You know, they're not scrutinized these, pl- these people that actually come into football clubs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, they sort of take over. There's not enough delving going on into their backgrounds um, by the uh, Football League. And they allow anybody just to come in and save a football club, but they don't really look as if it's going to benefit the football club or benefit them. Um, and now, you know, I, I've got my own ideas on this new European thing that Liverpool and Man United are looking at. But it's not surprising when the are jointly owned by Americans yeah, who, who don't know anything about really the history of football and how the pyramid system works. They're just worried about how their football club and what money they can make from it.
0: Yeah, it's, it's definitely, like, I mean, that's... It's always kind of been the way, but it's way worse now because there's so much money in football that the trickle just doesn't hit the bottom. And I mean, especially now with the clubs in the Premier League looking outside of England, Wales, Ireland, and Scotland so much for players. Yeah. Um, it like I mean, like you look at the. Ireland team during the week like we were awful and we don't have any kind of strikers coming through and it's it just
1: no you've been awful for about a year or two haven't you
0: yeah and it's it's, it's, it's coming from that kind of stuff because kids just aren't getting the chance anymore I mean you look at it, the English kids and they're playing in Germany and they're going to uh, like France
1: and well, stuff. even Wales even Wales we've got some great kids you know we played against Ireland the other week and um, I looked at the Irish team and I looked at our team and we had one player who played the following weekend in the Premiership playing. Yeah, and I think you had at least six. Um, and then I looked at your midfield, and I looked at our midfield, and I'm thinking, "Ooh, you, you should be too strong for us." But we just had a system of play, um, and the the energy, of the young kids just, you know, blew blew the Republic away. Even though it was, I think we we sneaked it in the end, didn't we? Was it a draw? A draw? Yeah, it, was a, it was a draw, yeah.
0: We just, just finished up the show. We normally just do like a quick, uh, quick fire thing. So yeah, yeah. Um, if you're going to play in a, a, a five-side tournament from the players you've played with, who would be on your team?
1: You know, I think I'd struggle for the goalkeeper. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, would have, I would have Sheet. I'd have Sharpie. Reedy. most probably myself nice that's a
0: pretty solid team right there yeah. uh, who's the best player you've ever played against?
1: against? oh I've, I've, god there's there's quite a few really I would, I would say the hardest player I've played against as in uh, different types of players I'll, I'll go the great the, the best player I've played against was Kenny Daglish there's no doubt about that wow. um, but the great goal, the greatest goal scorer forward was Rushi. Nice.
0: Uh who's the biggest shithouse you've ever played against?
1: Lenny <laughs> <Eddie> Jones. <laughs> Love it.
0: <laughs> oh God. Uh, what's the uh, what's what's your favorite ground apart from Goodison to play at? Wembley. Uh, what's the worst ground you ever played at?
1: The pool. <laughs> <No. laughs> I love it, love it, love it, love it. Love it. Um, God, it'd have to be somewhere like the baseball ground the um, baseball ground in February, um, or Stoke City's ground um, in February, because Stoke, for some reason, it stunk the, the, the soil, the mud. Oh, Jesus Christ. Oh, yeah, I'd stunk oh, uh, days and days. But you know, I, don't know, I don't know if that was a player I was marking or it, was just, or it, was
0: the <laughs> it wasn't Gary Lineker الس- <laughs> playing beside you, was it? <laughs> no. No so oh. kevin thank no, you so much i've never done that by the way <laughs> no I, should have that in a quick fly around i know yeah. i when he's rubbing oh, himself uh,
1: the grass where's that going <laughs>
0: he's like a fucking dog <laughs> <laughs> dragging his arse across the carpet uh, yeah. so thank you so much for hanging out with us man i i, I really oh. appreciate your time it's been fantastic and um Hopefully you will have a great season come second to Tottenham in the league and uh, take oh, care of good. yourself.
1: Right. Yeah. Who knows? You've got bail back now.
0: You see what he did last week for us, right? So go to hell.
1: I've been watching him for the last four years. He's not the same player.
0: Oh, I, his mind is just switched off. It's, uh, yeah. it's going to take it's him too a much goal. Goal. Too much good golf, goal. yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> go. Thanks a million. Have a good one. Right, right. lads. Thank thanks, you. Kev, thanks. Yes, thanks, Kev, thanks, Thanks. Have a good one you've been listening to the Down the Pulp podcast, recorded in Halifax, Nova Scotia. Head to downthepope.ta to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Until next time, cheers.